0: Hi, I'm Natasha and I'm Penny and you're listening to The Wibs, the podcast for women in business. We're here with practical, real
1: advice to help you get ahead of work without the BS. We'll be the work wives you've always wanted. Let's go. Hi, I'm Natasha and I'm Penny and welcome to The Wibs. Today, we're going to talk about the five lessons learned in business.
0: Yes, so big one. Like all of the episodes, I'm very excited to get into this because we've been running this podcast now for about, what has it been, Tash? Like nearly six months almost? I know. It feels crazy, doesn't it? An I can't anniversary. wait for us to have...
1: I know. A six month anniversary. How sweet.
0: So it's a, it's a big day for us and it's a special day. Why is that, Natasha? Because we
1: are in... Our new studios, so And we finally have some video content that isn't off our phones and... To be completely honest, what started happening is these podcast studios, the one that we were in prior, it would get so hot in there that our phones would just like (laughs) erupt erupt and overheat. So you just get all these random clips and when we try and piece them together later for content, it just went, um, not the way that we wanted it to. No, and I think
0: we, we were losing, um the ability to breathe in that room after a while <laughs> we
1: were so sweaty i don't know if you noticed but please after this look back at some of the old videos you literally see like that's not like a healthy glow that is not that's a healthy glow. that's a beautiful sheen a that sweat. is just pure sweat so we have upgraded to this beautiful podcast studio with some beautiful video imagery now, which will be great. So we can feel, you can feel like you're here with us, which is what we wanted. The whole point of it was so you guys can feel like you're here in the room with us. Um, and we thought that the best thing would be to start this off with five lessons learned in business. The main reason for this as well is because as I've spoken about in other episodes, I've just started my new business. And a lot of it is based around coaching. So I do a lot of e-commerce coaching and working with business owners starting from all different areas in their business journey, whether it's starting off, they don't even have an idea yet. They want an idea or they've got an idea and they want to know how to scale it or they've got an already established business and they want to know what next steps to take. I work with businesses at all different levels. And what I've realized from working with businesses at all different levels is you don't know what you don't know mm-hmm. and sometimes your experience, regardless of where you are and what you do, you don't realize how important it is and how valuable it is to others. So when I was kind of sharing some of my experiences, I realized that the biggest things I've learned is from the mistakes I've made.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it goes it goes both ways. It's like you've obviously started this amazing new business. We're working on the podcast together and there have been, over the last six months of, of launching this podcast, there been a lot of changes in, I guess... Uh, our work lives and and how we sort of approach things at work so we're able to kind of reintroduce ourselves today it's taking this like six month point to be able to say okay we've got a heap of new listeners which we're super excited about and we really just want to show you what our journey has been like so far and the lessons that we've learned being women in leadership and and women in business
1: or female entrepreneurs as a result of it. We made the mistakes so you don't have to that is the whole point of this podcast we want you guys to be able to just Learn from us so that you don't make mistakes and you grow and be bigger and better as always. So the first one is, and this one was a really tough pill to swallow, especially for me in particular, because I I don't know, I think, and actually, you know, you too, Pen, like, I think we've both been brought up in really um, hardworking environments in the sense of, I say it for me in particular because my dad's always been really big on like, you know, you put the hours in, you know, the harder you work, the better the payback. And I still do believe this. But the lesson here is working more doesn't always equal more money. Yes. And this was really, really, really tough to kind of understand later in life because when I first started, and, and this is different for different people in different areas of your Um, different times in your career. So obviously when you're first starting out in your career, you're in a very different situation whereby you do need to do the grunt work. You do need to do, you know, I know there's a whole thing about um, free internships and whether they should be happening or not, whatever. But when I was getting started in my career, I did as many internships as would take me for free. I had to work three jobs on the side. I worked retail, I worked, um, I did bartending at night and then I did, I did two retail jobs, sorry, and then I did bartending at night. So I get it. It's not easy There's, you know, you need money, but at that time, you know, you had to work really hard. This lesson is more about to really like put it down into what we mean by working more doesn't always equal more money is sometimes it's better to work smarter and not harder.
0: Yes. I think it's a, there's a case to be made here, about you can break your back at work. For example, Like you can bend over backwards and be the first one in the last one out, but it doesn't always mean that it's going to give you that end result of I'm going to get that promotion or I'm going to be able to... Um, be that person that's going to be getting ahead faster than everybody else as a result. I think there's a time and place for working hard and potentially working harder than other people. But what we have learned ourselves is that there's so much opportunity in the nine to five that you don't necessarily need to be the person that's working above and beyond crazy hours to be able to get, basically to be able to get more revenue in. absolutely
1: and looking at ways to delegate work i think again younger me thought that this was lazy behavior i was like well why don't you just do it yourself i remember i used to get so frustrated when this is so like i don't know um entitled of me but when i first started like when i was like working one-on-one with my boss at the time i was like oh can't you just do some of this stuff yourself (laughs) which is like so i don't know i don't know it's just an entitled mentality when you first start working it's just part of it but now that i've now when i've become into a Um, team and I was a leader, I realized that, you know, you need to take things off your plate in order for you, one, to be a better leader, two, to be a better manager, but three, you can't be good at everything. Mm. You have your superpower. So stick to that. There are people who are better at doing parts of your job than you, and you just need to realize that. And if you have the ability to outsource or delegate, then use that as a resource. Don't use that as a, it's not lazy. It's a resource. It's a resource for your growth. And I think that was really, really hard for me to understand. Um, and also we've spoken about in this past, like not saying yes to everything. Yeah, that's
0: that's so true. And I think a big part of this, like one thing I've learned in my career, and particularly I think over the last couple of months, has been that when you are the person that says yes to everything, it's you're not actually going to be able to have had time to prioritize yourself properly. Another thing I learned out of this at work when I was really thinking about, okay, how can I find a way to be able to, I guess, use my time more effectively was the person that is staying back late, the person that is kind of killing themselves and over being like that overachiever type, like, you know, working beyond that nine to five. One thing that I have learned is that sometimes it just means that you're not being efficient with your time. Absolutely, and I think that that is a big thing to consider when you're thinking that working harder, working more doesn't equal more money, because I can work from like 6am until 6pm, it doesn't mean that I'm going to get paid a different salary though.
1: No, and I, I get what you're saying by that. I think, and that's, that's when I said the tough pill to swallow, because in my earlier career, I was working as many hours as I possibly could, but I don't necessarily think that I was working those hours in a smart in an efficient way I won't say smart but I'll say in an efficient way because I was too busy and too focused on you know I've got to get the work done I've got to get the work done. I've got to prove myself I'm going to prove how good I am um, by how many hours and I put my worth to hours not to output and I think that's really important not to put your worth to how many hours you're putting in but to your output and it's something that I want to keep doing for myself and reminding myself regardless of what time in my career Now with everything that we've got with AI, productivity through emails, please refer to previous episodes if you need any hacks, Mm -hmm. but there are hacks and hacks don't equal lazy. It just equals more efficiency.
0: Yes. So in conclusion for our first lesson, working more doesn't equal money. Make
1: sure you are working smarter, not harder with your time. Absolutely. Lesson two, and we have spoken about this before, but I will speak about this until I turn blue. You do not have to be a specialist in everything. Focus on what you're good at and stick with it. Oh, this one, this is not just a lesson over the
0: last couple of months. This has been like a lifelong lesson. I think if I had to talk about my biggest insecurity, and I've spoken about this with you before, it's the idea that I want to be a real specialist at something. Like, you know, when you look at people who are like a really amazing, like drummer or a singer, and they've got yeah. that one really um, key definable skill. Absolutely. That is the that is like the epitome of excellence to me, and I wish I could be more like that. But what I'm learning more and more in my career is that it's okay to not be a specialist at every single thing. And it's okay to focus on what you're good at, stick with it, and build upon that. But I think that where we can get caught up with that in our careers is that you feel like
1: every single part of your role, you need to be a specialist. And if you're not in that, it feels like a vulnerability. Absolutely. I felt like that completely. When I, when I was in my head of marketing role, that was the part that I felt the most insecure about was the fact that I am managing people who know more than me. And that made me feel so insecure. I was like, how am I meant to manage people who know, you know, how to uh, code or who know the, how to backlink SEO? Mm -hmm. I don't know that. I know the strategy. I know it needs to be achieved. I know the key metrics, but I don't actually know how to do this. What happens if they ask me? What hap- And I would just set myself into a spiral of I need to learn all these things. I'm going to go do a course. I'm going to do a Google Analytics course. I'm going to do this course. And I just did all of these courses when what I should have and what I ended up doing was putting all of my time, energy and funneling into being a better manager because that was my role. My role was to get the most out of these these beautiful people who are extremely talented. That's why they're on my team. Yes, they know more than me. Amazing. But what I can really do is be the best manager for them, make sure I'm getting the best out of them, making sure that I'm helping them with their pathways to growth and their career goals as well. And it was through that that I realized it is okay not to be a specialist. It is okay.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. And I I think the more we get comfortable with that and the more that we start to, I think as like a workforce, really reinforce the I guess the benefits of being that generalist at work, because there are so many hidden benefits to being able to do that. It means you can pretty much walk into any situation and find a way to look at it and attack it dynamically versus being that person that is very siloed and focusing on that one thing. Now we need all types of people in the world, hundred percent, I believe in that, but I think that for the people out there that feel like they haven't found their one good thing, the one big thing, it's okay. Just know that there's a place for everybody at work, especially when it comes to being a person that's adaptable and agile with your skill set.
1: Absolutely, and I think it plays even in a specialist role. For example, if you are SEO, just, I don't know, First thing that pops into my head, but you say that you are an SEO specialist, but then you are looking to grow your team. Well, there's going to be parts of your team that fill your gaps of knowledge. And that's the reality of it. And that's not something that you should find intimidating. It's something that you need to be able to build your team. You need to be filling your team with people that are smarter than you weird as that sounds but it's true and that's part of a team and that's where you know the imposter syndrome and all that stuff we've spoken about has come up in the past but this is a really important lesson that has been learned and it's helped in that scaling you know we've both Penny and I have been involved in a business that you know has scaled and later was acquired by publicly listed business so we've been in a business that's had to scale aggressively whereby you know you have to look after people during that time you have to build teams during that time you have to make sure all your systems and processes are set up in that time it's a it's a time of a lot of pressure a lot of pressure and in those times it's when you need your people and you need to kind of be that generalist who can put out fires and help them and and be that teammate because if you're too busy trying to focus on one thing it's going to it it ends up being a distraction
0: yeah exactly so it's definitely benefits in both there so the lesson two you don't have to be a specialist in everything focus on what you're good at and stick with it. Really, really important for us. What about lesson number three, Tash?
1: Lesson number three is my favourite. And I hope I haven't said that yet because I feel like I say my favourite to everyone. <laughs> we everything. like them all. But They're my all favorite. our children. No, but this one, this one is the one that I had to learn um, the hard way, I guess. Um, rejection is power. So I, you know, I don't know. I'm not the only one I'm sure who has a little bit of pride and ego about them and I hate the idea of being rejected in any form like I just hate it um, and I'm sure everyone does I'm not sure anyone like actually enjoys it but I think that rejection needs to play a part in your growth and a part in your career an example of that is you know it could be um, if you're a business owner so you're a business owner listening to us right now and you're thinking what do you mean rejections power well for you you need to be putting yourself out there as much as humanly possible to, in order to get sales, whether it is a product or a service-based business, you need to be putting yourself out there. You will get rejected. That is life. You don't have, you know, no one has that one size fits all product or service that every single business is going to like. The more rejections you get is the more you're putting yourself out there. And it's so important to do because without that, you don't grow. You don't have a conversation starter to know, you know, what success looks like. And it's also, it's data, it's you're learning
0: more about, I guess, what you need to change and tweak to be able to grow and develop into something that is a success. I also, the one way I also like to look at this lesson is rejection is power, yes, but rejection is also redirection. It puts you into the space of looking for the right thing, whether it's for yourself professionally, whether it's for your your, your own business, whether it's just for your career or even within your personal life. I think what I've learned and what we, I think we've learned together is that the things that have held us back have been when we've held on to the idea of this is, this means that I'm a failure. Yeah. Or, this means that I'm not good enough. And it's not take actually it personally. That. you
1: take it personally, you're like, is it me? Exactly. <laughs> Am I the bad one? And that's at the end. It's like, well, okay, well, it's power, but then how do you use this power? Like, cool. All right, rejection is power. Mm-hmm. Right. I've got powers. What do I do with it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, what do you do with it? And that's why, like, what I said before with like the conversation starter, okay. Whether it's um, you're going for a job interview and you get rejected from it, I always really respect people that come back to us and be like, you know, I really respect what you said, but could you please just give me some tips for next time? Beautiful. got nothing to lose. But it stays
0: in your mind. Like the people that learn from their rejections in life, I'm always, I I feel like there is no story. There is no Hollywood movie that the level of, I guess, like someone saying, yeah, exactly. It gives you, it gives you a bit of background because if you were able to achieve everything, firstly, you haven't got a story. Where's your grit? You don't have it there. So I think knowing that there is more of the juicy, good lessons in life that you can learn from rejection, whether it's personal or professional, it's something that I think I wish people spoke about more.
1: Absolutely. And actually, there's a one little hack that I did, because as I said, I am a self-proclaimed non-rejection like I don't like rejection right Mm -hmm. so I I just don't want to see it and I'm like ignorance is bliss if I don't see the rejection it's not happening how dare you (laughs) so my my little hack was um automate rejection to take out the emotion so what I mean by that is when I was um when I had Snacks With Buy now Snacks With Buy is a business that I um started and sold during COVID um and when we were looking to sell we were starting to build, you know, a bit of that PR around the business and we really wanted to get the the brand out there. Um, I, the the idea of putting myself out there PR made me feel like, well, but it is what it is. Um, So how I handled that was, what we did was we built up an email cadence. So all that is, is a fancy way of saying we had like four to five emails that we had written up with different subject lines and all of these things, um, kind of describing my story, describing the business where we had gone to, and then we automated all the emails. So we got a list of all the publications of all the places that we want to be in and we just auto- automated it. So, you know, um, email one, Hey, blah, blah, blah. They didn't reply or they reply that another one the way and you just keep going it was like a sales cadence of just people just knocking on your door it was almost like we replicated the door knocking or the cold calling through email and I didn't have to see it because if I had read through those rejections oh my god I think I would have stopped after the first one and I wouldn't have the articles that I was able to get obtained from that because I know my style you know sometimes you can get kicked down and you're like oh yeah right. I think
0: I think it's like it's very easy when you're when you're in that space of rejection to feel like it's a personal thing. It's mm-hmm. really, really not. And I think it's the way that you looked at and your your example is a great one because it shows like if you are not taking it personally and and putting some distance and a buffer in between yourself and and I guess the rejection a great way to look at it if you're looking at it in a career in general is say if you're applying for a new job. I think when you're going through a process like that, I almost would factor in a quota of rejection. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I reckon I could have counted like when I first was applying for roles in my career and internships in particular, when you have no experience and nothing to go off and you're just like, hire me, please. It's, I I think I maybe got like, you know, 50 different
1: rejections. Absolutely. I actually have a really funny story about that. So (laughs) my job that I, that I was in for the last eight years, um, the way I got that job so you know when you were applying for all those jobs and you would just keep replying applying 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 mm-hmm. so me being the smart efficient you know whatever person I am not um I would just copy and paste and change the name so hi my name is Natasha I have studied Bachelor of Journalism um I would love to be considered for the role so I sent and I've got an I would love to I'll add it to my story because it is hilariously embarrassing I the cover letter that got me this job that i have been in for eight years says and by the way i worked for a hamper company um hi my name is tasha i blah, blah, blah. i'd love to be considered for the role at cosmopolitan magazine
0: yeah yeah
1: now did i now
0: <laughs> beautiful
1: <laughs> whose attention to details worse mine or theirs no one knows but it, it's just, you know, it was one of those things where you just kept going and kept going. And you know what? Sometimes if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. It'll happen regardless of what you write in your cover letter. Exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. So don't worry about that. Do try and proof that before you send it out. But I love the, the meaning behind it. So lesson three, rejection is power. Rejection is redirection. Do not be disheartened. This is a learning opportunity. Make sure you
1: you look at it as such. Absolutely. Lesson four. Do not chase your losses as much as you want to. <laughs> I think like sometimes when you're like, I'm going to make it win and you've got that winning attitude and you're ambitious, you're like, I'll prove it to everyone that I can make this work. Don't chase your losses. One of, it can be one of
0: the hardest things to to do in business and, and it, it is a skill. It's an art form in being able to understand when to let go and mm-hmm. to know that, okay, I'm not getting what I need out of this and it's
1: time for me to step away. Yeah, we, read, we um, read a really cool thing on the entrepreneur website and it was like um, it's not about winning every battle, it's about winning the war. And I love that. It's like when people say play chess, not checkers. I'm like, oh, my God, I want that on a T-shirt because it's so true. Sometimes you can get caught up in like little battles but you you miss, you forget what the big picture is. And I think as long as you're going towards your values, your goals and the big picture, don't worry about cutting your loss. Like it is what it is.
0: Don't yeah. stress. Yeah, you're exactly right. I think there was a way. There's a way of phrasing. I think it's sunk cost fallacy. So it's basically the idea that you're going to continue on a project just just based on the fact that you've invested a lot of time or a lot of money or a lot of effort, even when it's not the best
1: thing to do. And yeah, yeah, I was going to say one of the examples of that is for that is literally just watching boring movies. Like, have you ever started watching a movie and you're like 15? I don't know, half an hour in, you're like, oh this is really bad. But you're kind of like, oh, I'll just watch it anyway. Well, like that is so counterintuitive. Like if you're not into it, why waste another hour and a half of your time, your special time that you will never get back? Just leave. Just it's not worth it. It's not worth your time. Just stop. And that's what that sunken cost fallacy. I can never say things right. So just it it is what it is. But that's what that is. That's the whole concept of it.
0: Yeah. And it's the same, same thing when you look at it from a career sense. Okay. Say you're You're 10 years down the track in your marketing career. I'm not using myself as an example, but just let's talk generally. And you've decided that you want to become a florist, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you think to yourself, but I can't though, because I've, you know, I've spent all this time doing this and I've built up a career here and it's going to take me another six years to do this or whatever it is. Yeah. That is not a reason to not do something.
1: No, absolutely. And you're completely right. I know people that have left their careers midway and they've gone on to build super successful businesses because they've used their learnings in a different way mm-hmm. just because it's not the exact it's like uni when people do the uni course and they're like oh I've got to do it now I've done a good degree if you don't enjoy it don't yeah like exactly. I know it's, it's really easy to say but the whole point of it is don't chase your losses don't just keep falling into it because you think you have to
0: love it okay and then our fifth lesson of big one that we've learned I think this applies to both of us is that you can't do it alone
1: now what do we mean by that uh what's you're currently hearing in your ears (laughs) we are together uh, no but literally I couldn't have done this podcast without you and I know that like one I wouldn't have wanted to because it's definitely not as fun but two it's just like you can't do it alone like you need uh, you need help and support and it depends on how you work this is when we share these things this is our experience right so this might not be your experience but a lesson that I learned was it's so much better to do it with someone mm-hmm. that you care for and you trust than by yourself.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. Like I think that with all of this stuff, when you're when you're working as a business owner or an entrepreneur or you're working in a team, I think that the acknowledgement that it takes a village and you need that that team around you or the, those experts around you to be able to support you or just even a person to bounce off. And this again, this might be in your career or in your personal life that you might need someone around you to be able to give you that level of support and guidance, but it's okay. Like, I think it's, I think what we've both learned is that we have to let go of our pride and know that collaboration has actually allowed us to do even more with our limited time that we have each week. And I'm really excited about that. And I I hope other people take away that lesson the way that we've learned it as well, because honestly, it's a really powerful one to learn this, this early on in
1: our careers. Absolutely. So... Hope you enjoyed our five lessons. Any any other feedback or any other lesson ideas, please send them through. We love hearing them. We get so many tips and ideas and inspiration from every single person that messages us. We read through every single one and we cannot believe just how beautiful everyone's been. It's been a really, really lovely experience getting to know you all and we hope we can continue to build it. So please like, subscribe, all the fun stuff. Rate Pen, review. What else is there? There's in sharing. There. There's, yeah. we love I it. Anyway, know, basically, if
0: you want to contact us in literally any way you know how, we are down to hear from you. So please. Snail honestly, well, maybe not. That. I, don't, don't. I don't know what that is. <laughs> maybe just a, a little carrier pigeon, why yes, not? But I like you like know, For the people looking for the normal way to do things, maybe just rate review and uh, follow us on Insta and we will be in your ears next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye.